What's going on? You're listening to King Cam's Njumbe podcast. Njumbe means message. And today's message is a message to Sardis. Message to Sardis. All right? Check it out. Honor to God, to Pastor and Dr. Bob, family members and friends. Happy am I to be here to share with you what the Lord has shared with me. And I realized something about Pastor Kelly. I've learned something um, in these last few months that Pastor Kelly is good at sliding very challenging scriptures to the new guys. <laughs> This is not a John 316 verse. <laughs> this is Sardis. <laughs> In the book of Revelation. You know. So uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe everything will be alright. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you function. How about that? <laughs> In this portion of scripture, John is giving his thoughts from the mouth of God, then with the apocalyptic writing, or the veiled writing, to the people of God in Sardis. It was an industrial city, a city that was known for mining that ruby red stone called Sardis. It was also known for minting gold and silver. It was an industrial city, but it was also a commercial city. You can see a lot of people up in the morning on the go, hustling and bustling, going to and fro. You see all the roads intermingled going in and out of that commercial city called Sardis. It's a wonderful city, money-making city. People are out there doing their usual routine. And you can see traders and bringing in imports and exports. People are buying and selling in this commercial city called what? Sardis. Sardis. Not only it was an industrial city, it was a uh, commercial city and it was a political city. The capital of Lydia. All the great leaders and, and, uh, and government officials came in to talk about the democratic idea located in Sardis. Huh? But with all the jobs, with all the politics that was going on, there was still something wrong in the city of Sardis. There was a, a small underlying decline in the city of Sardis. The great buildings were now uh, folding in, in ruin. And the roads that was nicely paved are now in ruin. You see the green grass cutting through the pavement. The beautiful city on the outside was now under decline. The beautiful city, but all the attractions and sights that a man can enjoy is now under decline. See, the physical decline was a, a manifestation of another kind of decline. It was a manifestation of a moral decline. Right. Yeah, it was a moral decline. As elegant as it was, there was still a festering sore lying on the inside of Sardis. Out of all the jobs that they had, all the money that they made, all the leadership, there was still a moral decline in a city called Sardis. That being said, in our United States, in this city, we may have all the jobs, all the stimulus packages, all the leaders, but if our morals are going down, we will go down with it. Yes. 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 
Y'all not praying for me. Y'all going to sleep on me already. Uh, now, it was beautiful on the outside, but it was in ruin on the inside. And I see John casting his eyes on the church. Yeah, he saw the city of Sardis, but he also saw the church located inside of Sardis. So goes the city, so goes the church. Beautiful church in Sardis. It had all the nice arcade entrapments and edifices that a new church should have, and it was still in decay. Beautiful on the outside, but it was weighing down on the inside. In despair, in hopelessness, in desolation, it was beautiful on the outside, but it was decaying on the inside. Today, there's a lot of beautiful churches out here. There's a lot of wonderful churches out here that look good, look great on the outside, but they're under decay on the inside. Have all the programs but are in decline. Have all the staff but are in decline. Have all the budgets and, and all the wonderful things but are in decline. The reason why the, the church neglects the gospel. The church has, some of these churches neglected doctrine and neglected uh, souls that need to be saved. So therefore a beautiful church with all the modern MP3s and the flat screens and everything are still declining. Beautiful on the outside but dying on the inside because of compromise. But I believe there are some people in here are undergoing their personal sardis experience. I was a preacher before I was a youth pastor. Okay. Now the thing is, we have that personal sardis experience where we're beautiful on the outside, but our soul is tore up on the inside. All right. All right. Work it out. Work it out. Satan face. They say they wear the mask. We wear the mask and we put on makeup, but our souls are torn apart on the inside. Yeah, we, we, we have our money, we have all these wonderful things, but our spirit is undergoing a constant decline on the inside. But not just that. How about this? Somebody out here wants to know about God, wants to know about the Lord, but we're sad, depressed, confused, don't know where to go or where to turn, so they have their own personal sort of experience. I go to church, but I'm in a personal drought. A spiritual drought, a, a wilderness of nothingness. But the good news is I see Jesus in this very text. I see the Lord right here in the same text. I believe in Isaiah 67, when King Isaiah died, I also yeah. saw the Lord. Yeah. Regardless, let me pause real quick. Regardless of what you're going through, what circumstances you find yourself in, God is still on the throne. Yeah. God is still sitting high and he looks down on God is still good. And regardless of the storms you may encounter, God is still looking at you. He still loves you. He still cares about you. Oh, God, I think it's all
one that you may encounter in life, God is still lovingly watching you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The line of the tribe of Judah, the, the, uh, the root of the tribe of David, the, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, he still is loving on you. Yeah. David said, I look towards the hills yeah. for when cometh my help. Where did my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Yeah. So God is still on the throne. But this caught my attention. This is how the Lord introduces himself. Yeah, this is the first point here. Uh, just in case you want to get a pen and paper. This is how the Lord introduces himself. He says, I am the Lord. Okay, the first verse he introduces himself with having the seven spirits of God. Seven for those who are in theology and go to Bible school. That means, uh, I believe it means perfection. It means completion. That means everything in Christ is Completed. Everything is done. The law and the promise are completed. As a matter of fact, your life outside of Christ will not be complete. That's right. That's right. But everything in Christ is complete. And so he also says he has the seven stars in his hand, which means he has the body of Christ in his hand. Let me make it personal. He has you in his hand. Yeah. He has your children in his hand. He has had the road in his hand. And he has the church of Sardis in his hand. This is how the Lord introduces himself. But one thing that caught my attention. There was one thing that caught my imagination. Not true, so my imagination is wild. And so one thing that caught my imagination is how, is how Jesus introduces himself to John. Okay, we missed it. All right, here's the thing. We are we normally see Jesus introducing himself to the churches, right? We normally see we are to those who are reading the Bible. He may be introducing himself to us, but he may be reintroducing himself to John and also. John. John. A lot of people say, what do you mean, Marcus? Well, okay, I'm glad you asked that question. Hey, this is John. This is John the beloved. John the one who's closest to Christ. Marcus, this is the one who sat close at the table. This is John who walked with him. John who stayed long enough to at the uh, Calvary cross and he said, uh, son, Jesus said, son, behold thy mother, mother, behold my son. This is John. John was, uh, I think he was, uh, part of, he was part of the crew. Jesus had a small crew called Peter, James, and John. So, the question is, why does Jesus have to reintroduce himself to John? As a matter of fact, he, he, meant, he introduces himself over and over again in these previous uh, chapters. Well, the reason why is John saw Jesus as man, but he had never known him as God. All right, all right. You hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of people in church that know Jesus as man, but they do not know him as God. They know him as a miracle worker. They know him as a blesser, as a healer, as a doctor, but they don't know him as God. Don't know him as the King of Kings. Don't know him as the Lord of Lords. Don't know him as the Alpha and the Omega. So every turn in your life, the Lord says, I am the Lord. I change not. Yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of preachers uh, that preach all the time but don't know Jesus as God. Mm -hmm. A lot of people 
people sing in the choir, but they do not know Jesus as God. A lot of members in the pews do not know that Jesus is God. The Alpha and the Omega. And it, uh, it's good to know him, because I remember a song that says, Jesus to sing in my old church. It's good to know Jesus. And he says, after this grand illustration, after this grand uh, pomp and circumstance, he gets down to the business. He says, I know your works. I know your reputation. Everybody knows you. Yeah, everybody knows who you are. They know where you are. They know uh, where how to get there and everything. I know your reputation. But we have a situation, point two, that we have a situation in Sardis. The city was undergoing a physical decay, but the church was undergoing that spiritual decay. The situation in Sardis, it was, it was this. You say you are alive, but you're really dead. In the eyesight of man, all looks fine, and everything is well, and, and all things are going on, and, and you have, you're on the go and everything, but you are dead. You say you're living, but you are dead. The all-knowing God knows uh, the heart of man, and a lot of people say God knows my heart, but sometimes we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. We're not talking about a physical death. We're talking about a spiritual death. See, uh, if you have a fireplace or a grill, Brother Rick, uh, Brother Rick likes the grill and he likes the barbecue. And the thing is, uh, the wood and charcoal in the middle of the grill is white hot. But on the outside, those coals that still have something left, they start to get cold. So they're dead. They're not doing anything. That was the problem with Sardis. They did not have anything going on for them. They were not undergoing persecution. They were not going through any heresy. They were so far gone, like Dr. Boston, they were dead. Nothing was happening. Nothing was going on. And in the church, there's a lot of people that were once living, uh, striving for the Lord, but are now dead. Got their feelings hurt by somebody, and they stopped doing things. They are now dead. Yeah, yeah, dead worship, dead traditions, uh, uh, but it's not. Sometimes we want to volunteer and say, okay, let me volunteer. That's not the person you want, so that person that once was alive is now dead. They're still here, but they're just, they're just here. Not doing anything, not going anywhere, but they are dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, we, uh, some, some people want to do things, but now they're all right with uh, things as they are, and they are comfortable and in the death of called uh, complacency. Amen. <laughs> it was here before I got here. So whenever the gospel is not preached, that church, as beautiful as, and elaborate as, as it is, and maybe on TV, in, word, network, uh, all of them, but in, without the gospel, the church is dead. That's right. Yeah. Without the love or share the love of Christ, you can be all doctrinal and all theological and philosophical, if you don't love anybody, you're dead. So they say the situation was they were living without dead. But here's another situation, part two. Here it is. A lot of them were dead. They were just sleep. Yeah. They were sleep. The reason why is because Jesus had to tell them to wake up. Yeah. 
sleep. Not physically, but they were nodding off like this, you know, just laying side to side. But they were sleep, spiritually sleep. Was not paying attention. Too many sleepy saints are in church. They ate too much of the blessed milk and honey, and they're now asleep. <laughs> Sat at the feasting table too long, and they're now asleep. Sitting down and had too much of the, the matter from on high, and they're now asleep. Why does Jesus tell them to wake up? Why is he telling us to wake up? I think Dr. Bob alluded to it. A lot of his stories realized that Sardis, as beautiful as they were, they had a problem. Yeah. King Cyrus came out there and he wanted to take over Sardis. And what happened is he said, okay, let me go get some guys and um, spy out the land. Okay, we're going to spy out the land. And we're going to check them out and see how to go in and take over Sardis. So they said, okay, instead of going through the going in the daytime, we're gonna go at night. And so they climbed the scale, scaled the cliffs, and they went up there and they had the swords drawn and they was ready, they had the shields up just in case they was met with great opposition from the uh, the guards of Sardis. And as soon as they got to got closer and closer, they realized nobody was there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they just walked in. The reason why the enemy keeps creeping into our lives, the reason why we go through that same vicious cycle is because we are asleep. Amen. We, we, we want the mountains and the natural things to protect us, but we don't want to do nothing like pray. <laughs> Jesus said, wake up, because when you are asleep, you're not praying. When you sleep, you're not reading. When you sleep, you're not studying. When you sleep, you're not encouraging anybody. And the enemy will creep in and take the camp. Yep. It happened to Sardis many, many times. And another situation is uh, when you sleep, you defile yourself. Many times as a parent, when I was asleep, I woke up and the children had to file their clothes and or the house along with it. So I had to sleep with one eye open or just stay awake with them. So the thing is, when we are asleep, we defile ourselves. We're not no longer talking about this far away place now. We're talking about us now. We're talking about us. We, we get caught up with the things of the world. Just like Sardis, they were trying to compromise. They tried to go along to get along, and they defiled their clothes. Defiling ourselves with the, with the mud of covetousness. Just defiling ourselves with the things of the world. They was attaching themselves with the idea of uh, Jezebel. And they wanted to do what the world was doing. So the church defiled themselves. But regardless of the situation. Regardless of if people would say they were living for dead. Regardless if they were asleep and defiled themselves. We have a solution inside us. The solution is this. The Lord simply says, wake up. Wake up. When you wake up, you are able to strengthen other people. You're able to encourage somebody. Uh, Brother Rick, you bring those coals close to the fire so it can catch on fire. Somebody's struggling, so you need to strengthen them. Somebody's going through something, you need to wake up and strengthen them. Somebody's dealing with pain and loss, you need to strengthen them. He said, wake up and strengthen them. But not only that, when you wake up, you remember. That's the other one. You remember. You remember what you heard. You remember the gospel. You remember the truth about sin and salvation. You remember about holiness. You remember the Lord. You remember to 
pray. And if you don't know who to pray for, please pray for me. Pray for me. Not only that, you remember your testimony, how God brought you out and took you in. You remember, you remember how many ways that God has blessed you. You remember the provision he has made. You remember how he kept you from day to sin and unseen. You remember how he kept his word towards you. Here's another one. He said, when you wake up, you remember, and you get the whole facts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's in there. Look at it. He said, hold fast. Grab hold of it. See, the enemy's trying to take your joy. You need to hold fast. The enemy's trying to take the love away. You need to hold fast. The enemy's trying to take your hope away. Hold fast. Remember, grab hold of God. Like Jacob, who wrestled with the angel all night long, said, I will not let go until you bless me. Hold fast. What do you mean, hold fast? Hold fast to his promises. Hold fast to the good news of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to his word. Hold fast to grace and mercy. Hold fast like a tree that's planted by the river of water, saying, I shall not be moved. Hold fast. Because if we don't wake up, if we don't remember, if we don't hold fast, we will not repent. He said, if you don't repent, I will come to you like a thief in the night. Yeah, yeah. yeah the thief is not going to let you know, hey, it's there at 12 o'clock, I'm going to take over your house. <laughs> He's going to come in when you least expect it. He probably watches months and months, and that's how the enemy does it. He will wait when you least expect it and creep in because you will sleep and take everything from you. Hold fast. But I see something else that caught my attention. The Bible said it called them uh, the few. Yeah, 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 yeah. The few. I read a little bit of uh, but I got here. It's called the few. The few. The remnant. The ecclesia was inside the building. The people within the people. The, the ones that still yet believe. That is the few. My question is, are you the few? Or are you just here just to make up a number? Are you the few? The few that are still on fire. The few that remain on fire. Regardless of the discouragement, regardless of what the budget looks like on our children. Uh, the few. The few. The few that believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. That's the few. The few that believe that he, he did miracles and lived a sinless life. That's the few. The few that believe that uh, he uh, was betrayed by his best friend and tried uh, all night long. Uh, that's the few. The few that knew that he carried the cross all across Jerusalem. That's the few. The few that believe and know that he hung and let it die. Just for, not just for you and for me, but for everybody. That's the few. And the few that away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, what precious is that flow. That can make me white as snow. No other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. But this you may feel, you may feel that you're by yourself. You may feel that you're alone. You're not alone. I am reminded of a story of a man who went to sleep. And in, in his dream, he was walking along the beach. Yeah. 
He was riding by the sands of the beach. He heard the tides go in, shh, shh, in and out. And he noticed as he looked back, he noticed footprints in the sand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, and, and he looked up in the sky, he noticed the, the panoramic of his life, the trials, the tribulations, the wonderful things, great things, and all these things. But he noticed during the hardest times of his life, he only saw one set of footprints in the sand. When the good times and all that, it was just two. So when he had a prayer meeting with God, he said, Jesus, uh, during the most trying times of my life, I only noticed one set of footprints in the sand. Yeah. I only noticed one set. So why have you rejected me? Why did you leave me when I lost my mom, when I lost my granny? Why did you leave me? He said, during the trying time of your life, when you were suffering pain, anguish, and love, that's when I was carrying yeah. you. So you may be a few, but you're not alone. Uh -huh. You may feel like you're by yourself, but you're not alone. The song says he promised to never leave you alone. Never alone. Never alone. He promised that he'll never leave you alone. The Bible said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there's a celebration in Sardis. They have the white robes. See, as righteous as we think we are, our righteousness is nothing but filthy, dirty, this child ran. And he give us new robes. The song said, I have a robe over in Zion. Yeah. relationship with the Lord. The few get a white robe, the few get to walk, and the few have their names recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. their name will not be blotted out, won't be stricken out. Their name will be recorded. Is there somebody in this place? They may be going through a problem, but you have a reward. I may have issues, but I have a reward. I may have problems in life, but I have a reward. Circumstances, I have a reward.